Damn, that poster. Mm. Oh, welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, Episode 78. It's Friday. That means another preview episode. I'm Noah B. Joined, as always, by Dominic Salee. We end another week. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. You know, it's been one of those long weeks. It has For you been. and I both. Yeah, Lots going on at work. And then, you know, we got to still grind that podcast. Three episode week for the podcast. Right. Six fight main card to break down for uh, Saturday. But as always... I can't wait to do it. Yeah, you know, that's that's the thing. is like it adds to our plate, yeah. but we don't leave any leftovers. Yeah, this is when we unwind in the evening. <laughs> I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever said. But that's all right. I've probably said worse. <laughs> I'm just glad you just brushed over yeah, it. Yeah, just, just let it go. Um, yeah, so we're coming to you with a preview episode once again for hashtag UFC Vegas 21, headlined by a very intriguing welterweight fight. Originally scheduled to be Leon Edwards making his long-awaited return against the surging prospect in Hamzat Chemaev. Hamzat, his whole future's up in the air right now. But in steps Bilal Muhammad, a guy who's quietly, as far as in the octagon, has like made a rise here. But he is known as kind of one of the funniest guys on MMA Twitter. This so he's kind of weirdly made a name for himself there. But it's like. Nobody really wa- has watched him fight them all that much, it seems. Um, but he's quietly kind of rose into, well, he's kind of making a believer out of people now. Yeah. And you got to be happy about that. As you mentioned, six-fight main card. Good uh, fights. Good fights. And, you know, it's it's once again one of those cards where the main event isn't the most intriguing part of the card. But it's, it's not a bad main event, but, like, some of the fights underneath are just... Like, bangers they look like they could be really fun on paper and we'll be talking about that but first it's time for the news the news not a whole lot going on this week um, we do have a couple announcements first being on may 1st ah, yeah, so see what may, you did there may 1st we have a big fight at bantamweight marav valishvili is back He's going up against the vet, Cody Stamen. These are two guys in the top 15. Marab has really been making a name for himself, coming off of that win over John Dodson at UFC 252. Looked so good in that fight. Um, I don't believe we've seen Cody since last summer. Is that correct? When he uh, yeah, lost he to Jimmy Rivera. With, uh, yeah, he did have a fight with Rivera. And before that, he had beaten Brian Kelleher. That's right. Those and, were back-to-back. He fought Brian in June and then um, Jimmy in July. So both these guys getting a good amount of time off, a healthy amount of time off, um, especially for Cody, who was kind of in a couple wars last summer. Yeah, you know, and Marab, for Rob, he jumped into ice. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> uh, but what are your thoughts on this fight? This is intriguing because Cody is pretty well-rounded, but a strong uh, grappler as well. But Marab, man, this dude, if he wants to take you down, he's going to find a way to do it. So I'll be interested to see more so how Cody can just – fend off the takedowns and when inevitably he does get taken down can he bring it back to the feet because i'd imagine he has the upper hand on the feet so it's an intriguing stylistic war i think and it has a lot of big implications and i could be wrong on this but when you really break down the bantamweight division especially cody's opponents 
the majority of the time, he's the stronger grappler in the fight. Oh, yeah. So Big he dude. always has that kind of in his back pocket. So, like, yeah, he's comfortable on the feet. But really, he's trying to keep his opponents kind of guessing because they don't want to be taken down either. Yep. However, with Marab, Marab is going to be the you better grappler. He's, he's the better grappler here. Yeah. Um, so I'd be interested to see kind of how what, what does that make Cody do? What's his game plan going to be here? Um, I imagine it will not be to... I mean, if he can take Marab down, that's one thing, and stay on top, but easier said than done. Oh, yeah. And then I'll be very interested to see if this fight stays on the feet, how Marab looks on the feet. Very untested at that, yeah, exactly. uh, in that facet of MMA. Cody is not by any means a world-class striker, but he's very competent on the feet. And mm-hmm. He does have some power in his hands as well. And I'd imagine, I think, being that he does have a grappling background as well, going three rounds, I don't see cardio becoming an issue. You never know when a guy like Marab is just dragging on your back the whole fight. But it, there are just a lot of interesting factors. A lot of variables. Yeah, yeah that's coming to you on May 1st. After that... Five days later, on May 6th, the PFL announced a pretty big card that they're going to be showcasing two very notable talents. Oh, yeah. In your main event, Fabricio Verdum, the former UFC heavyweight champion, making his debut in the promotion, going up against Henan Ferreira while in the co-main event. Uh-oh. Probably their biggest star that the PFL has made. And our neighbor. And our neighbor, Kayla Harrison. Gets her matchup against Mariana Marais. Now, obviously, um, not a ton known about these opponents here. Marais does have a lot of fights compared to Kayla. Yeah. Very seasoned vet. Very seasoned vet. And, you know, Kayla just seems so seasoned. Yeah. She she really fights with a really high fight IQ, which usually takes you so long to develop. But she really has picked up on these other aspects of mixed martial arts so just steadily. Yeah, her stand-up slowly but surely catching up to that insane <clears throat> judo that she has. She's yeah. becoming very dangerous, very well-rounded. Yeah, and then for Fabricio, this man's in his 40s. I'm very interested to see how he does in this tournament. I mean, yeah. I know, you know, Fabricio, after coming back from his PED suspension over the last year, um, he had a kind of a mixed run of things, had a very... Um, I guess, lackluster return against Alexi Olenek. But then he did have a a fantastic performance against Alexander Gustafson, who was making his debut at heavyweight. And now he's in the PFL. So even though he is in his 40s, you know, once again, fight IQ coming into play. And when it comes to the jiu-jitsu, there's nobody at heavyweight. Especially, oh yeah, not close. And I'd be very interested to see how he does there. Yeah, He's going up against another Brazilian, so... It'll be interesting. And Mm. I really just want to see... Where Fabricio still is, you know, can he still be at the highest of whatever organization he is in? Right. That's coming to you on Thursday, May 6th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ESPN2. Yeah, every single fight on that card, including prelims, is either heavyweights or women's lightweight. Wow. Every single fight. You know what? I I respect that. And then one more here. This isn't really a fight announcement. We've already talked about the fight, but just... Confirmation. Confirmation on... In a, Back to ABC. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So the headliner, uh, Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori, um, that whole card is going to be showcased on ABC Network on April 10th. Huge for the UFC. I mean, yep. we, we guessed that the UFC would be back on ABC. I mean, that was a pretty 
a given. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> especially after the fights we got to see. Yeah, and um, I, I am a little. I'm actually pleasantly surprised that they're doing it this quick. I thought it might be like maybe one more time for the rest of the year. Yeah, but it sounds like you might be seeing like two per quarter. Like maybe we'll get six. Yeah, events six on to ABC. eight a year. That'd be awesome, man. All it does is put more eyes on the sport. It's a huge fight. It's the Vittori Till main event. And, uh, you know, they wanted to move Whitaker Costa to that card and do yeah. both of them, but Costa wanted another week for the weight cut, which, okay. you know, he's yeah. a big dude, yeah, so I understand. understand. But all ABC and that is supposed to be the debut of Venom for that's the true. UFC. That's true. So that's a big, just everything about it is huge. <clears throat> yeah. you got to think that played a factor in, okay, let's and do mean, ABC on that date. And this isn't a one-fight card. you got fights like... Sadiq Yusuf oh. versus Arnold Allen. That's my fight right there. <laughs> then you got Nina Ansaroff making her return to the octagon against Mackenzie Dern. That's a huge fight. Among others, those are definitely the three biggest on oh, that yeah. card. But it is a stacked card, and I'm glad that they get to showcase it again on ABC. They're doing big things because they know so many eyes are going to be on them. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Yeah, completely. Especially because that's when you know March Madness comes to a close. Yeah. We're in a little bit of a lull. Mm-hmm. Here's some fights for you. Yeah. So. There you go. Very very good point. As for the rest, really only one thing to talk about, and I'm not sure what your thoughts are going to be, Dom, on this, but um, we got to kind of address Aljamain Sterling's first week as champion has been... Somewhat of a roller coaster. A roller... I mean, if anything, it's just as weird as the way he won the fight. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, for context, he wins the fight via DQ because Peter Jan throws... An illegal knee while he while Aljo was down, mm-hmm. Aljo not able to continue. Therefore, belt goes to him. Correct. Because they found they said it was a because um, the ref told him not to throw it and he still yeah, and he threw still it. threw it. So yeah. it was uh, what was the word he used? Intentional. There? Intentional uh, foul or whatever yeah. you want to call it. So therefore, he loses a belt, whether rather than it being a no contest. Um, Afterwards, things have gotten a little weird because at the time, everybody was, you know, disappointed that the fight had to end that way, especially because Pewter was really coming on strong yeah. and looked like the the, the tide better, was turning, the better fighter that night. However, so it felt like the wrong man walked out with the belt. But you can't help that the guy winning the fight threw a very basic, like, basic rules of MMA, yeah. he, and he fucked it up and yeah. threw the knee. You can't help that. So I think a lot of people were on Aljo's side at first just because, you know, you feel for the guy. You could tell exactly. he didn't want to win the belt that way. Threw the um, belt down. Yeah, in the felt octagon. like you could tell like he just was very just upset at the whole thing. Not, and obviously he got his shit rocked. Then things got a little weird. Now, it started with there was a lot of people that night on Twitter, and really it's continued up through today, that have, you know, called out Aljo and said that he was phoning it in or faking it. I don't like those accusations. And, you know, even some credible, when I say credible, like people that I follow, like people that I respect Mm -hmm. their opinion on, have actually spoken and said that they think the same. And I was very surprised by that. Mm -hmm. Now, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me on this, I don't feel comfortable to be in a place to say whether someone's faking it or not. because I mean... I Man, get he got kneed in the damn head. <laughs> I get it. I get how it might look, but I, I've never fought. You've never fought. I don't feel comfortable 
like saying no that guy did not get his shit rocked you know what I mean yeah so I kind of want to leave that part there but it gets weirder it does um after Aljo looking very distraught and you know he gives he still gives a post fight interview and all that um he he poses for you know like a face off with Henry Cejudo um Rob tweeting the picture and tweeting it at Dana White and saying yeah. this is the fight that needs to be next. So that was weird. Yeah. Then you see a picture of him holding the belt at some sort of party that him and his friends were like celebrating at someone's house. Um so everybody's like, Whoa, this is getting kinda weird. There is some more context to that, but I just want to add out everything. And then there's a story that's kinda came out today about Matt Sarah and him, where Matt Sarah was not in his corner Saturday. Ray Longo was, along with two other gentlemen. And Matt Sarah came out today on his podcast, UFC Unfiltered, and kind of... He seemed very upset. He, you could tell he seemed very distraught. Yeah. You know, he spoke very highly of Aljo's character, said what a great kid he is, and that he didn't want people to treat him differently. But basically because of this situation, is retiring from cornering fighters and said that... He felt kind of betrayed and kind of felt a little, like, pushed aside mm-hmm. by Aljo. And then he even threw in there that Aljo kind of wouldn't just tell him to his face that he wasn't going to corner him. He kind of ghosted him for a few days. Yeah. Um, so Aljo's had a very rough first week it's, as champion. It's been weird. And the context to that video I was talking about is that his there was another angle of the video later shown where his his friends were trying to cheer him up and they were like say you're a world champion yeah so they were just trying to make him feel better in the moment i feel like that's justified yeah but now you have aljo kind of tweeting some weird things that make it sound like first it's like okay the rematch is obviously going to happen but then he's kind of tweeting at henry cejudo and stuff like that it's uh I don't know. It's it's just been really odd for a guy who everybody was kind of rallying behind after this, even though they didn't think he necessarily won the belt. Won the belt. It appears just as quickly he's lost a lot of that support. So, what are kind of your thoughts on this situation? That's still ongoing, obviously. And How about I just pose to you one big old question? Okay. If there's a disqualification in a title fight, should the belt change hands? Uh, yes. So, here's here's kind of why. Because in pro wrestling, it does not. This is true. <laughs> um, that's why when you have the bad guy as champion, a lot of times they do that in order to keep, keep on their, their belt, belt. And yeah. then people hate them for it. Yeah. It doesn't really work in real competition because what if... <clears throat> What if the roles were reversed and Aljo was coming on strong and it looked like he was going to take a clear-cut decision? And then, and then, then at the, the very knee. end, and then in the fifth round, Peter Jan throws a knee at his face. And it's like, okay, I get to keep my belt at least. Yeah. You know, you just, I, I just, it would not work. You know, as much as we want to believe, and I'm not going to say otherwise, but that, you know, our the fighters that we watch every week or have 
higher morals than that. You know, when you're in the in that moment in that competition, shit happens. Instinct takes over a lot of times. That's why I think the whole knee happened in the first place. I don't think Peter Jan's a, no. a bad guy. No. I don't think that he even. I don't think that it was like intentional and in like I don't think in his mind at the time no. he was looking at it like this is gonna end the fight. It and just happened. Killer instinct kind of thing. So I, I I think that the idea I think anybody who says that a belt shouldn't change hands via DQ doesn't really understand the full ramifications of what they're suggesting. Mm-hmm. I understand that when you have it happen like it did last Saturday, it sucks. Because the guy who gets the belt doesn't feel like he really earned it or deserves it. And it just feels like there's a lot left in the air. I like your counter argument to it, though. But I it's, love it's, that. Yeah, I, just, I, I think it would be a lot worse if you did the opposite and yeah. allowed it or didn't allow it to change hands. It just, yeah. I think it would just the champions being beat could do whatever they want, yeah. squeak off with their belts. I, I don't like that. I respect it. It's probably been the strangest first week as a champion, or one of, in UFC history. Any thoughts on Aljo with Cejudo? I don't like that at all. Mm -hmm. Everything else, because Aljo really broke down the family and the picture part really well with some videos, so that was fine. I don't necessarily, like, do you post them? Mm, I don't know, maybe, but do you? But the Henry thing... That one I didn't like. I didn't yeah. like that. You have to do the rematch here with Pewter Jan. It was a great fight, and Pewter started coming on strong. He loses his belt by disqualification. I still gave it my fight of the night. Yeah, so you, yeah. Henry's, Henry does find a way to And, you know, stay I'm not saying that it was Aljo's, like, idea. But regardless, he took the picture. I mean, he's in it. Even Aljo did tweet that, too, though. Not just Marab. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it was his idea. I don't really care whose idea it was. I'm not... None of this like makes me dislike the guy. I'm just kind of speaking from what I've seen online, and it's definitely the most split I've seen the MMA community since like Connor Habib. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's really w- bizarre, um, and it's kind of warranted though because this is just such a interesting and messy situation. And I don't like it. I yeah. just want it to go away. I wish that both these guys would just stay quiet. Because even Peter Janssen is not clear. Yeah. Obviously, if he doesn't throw the knee, this never happens. Yeah. None of this. Exactly. He likely wins the holds on to his yeah. belt more than likely. You know, obviously anything can happen. But he threw the knee. At first, he said, get well soon. And then now he's calling pissed. him like. He's pissed. Yeah. And, you know, I, I get it. But at the end of the day, you threw the knee. Yeah. So both these guys are kind of annoying me right now with some of their shenanigans. We just need it to run back. I just want to run it back and then we move on. As quick as possible. And then we just move on. Yes. Done. Done. But the Sarah thing is pretty low, Aljo. I mean, come on, man. Matt, Sarah, if you want to come on and speak with us about it, you're more than welcome. Come on, man. That guy was there for you for years. Couldn't even give him a call. Yeah, I'm, I'll be interested to see what comes out about that. I'm yeah, sure, I, I'm sure still, he'll have his He'll side. have his response. And you know what? I, maybe I shouldn't speak. I don't want to jump the gun like so many do. But it doesn't look good, put it that way. Yeah. But that is the end of the news. The news. Let's, let's break down some fights. Let's do it. Six fight main card. And I'm just going to go through here and break tell you what fights we're breaking <laughs> down. <laughs> So we start at middleweight. 
the former Alabama linebacker, Roll Eric down. Anders, going up against Tyron Woodley, a.k.a. Literal twin brother. Darren it's crazy. Stewart. It's crazy. <laughs> then we go to flyweight Matthias, Nicolau, and Manel Cape. Back in action back. already, yeah. Then at Bantamweight, two youngins, Jonathan Martinez and Davey Grant. Then at Featherweight, this is the one. Dan Ige versus Gavin Tucker. That's the one, folks. Co-main event at Light Heavyweight, two top 15 guys Love here. Misha Serkinov versus Ryan Spann. Dominic had this fight for his Overtime Heroics article this week. Can't wait for this fight. Broke it down, predicted the fight. Go read it. If you go to either of our Twitters, you'll see it retweeted. Go follow Overtime Heroic because they do good work. Main event at Welterweight, Leon Edwards and Bilal Muhammad. Rocky versus Remember the Name. <laughs> Such an interesting nickname for I Bilal. Like it. I like yeah. It. But we start with Eric Anders versus Darren Stewart. What are your thoughts here? This is fun. So Eric Anders, 13 wins, 5 losses, <clears throat> 8 KO TKOs. One submission. He's five and five in the UFC. Very active. Doesn't it just seem like he fights all the time? He does fight. Or he always often. has fights booked. Like this dude's always just making headlines with fight announcements. Anyway, he's got seven first round finishes, notable wins against Marcus Perez via decision and Gerald Mearchart. Some losses. Leoto Machida, split decision. Got TKO'd by your boy Tiago Santos. A split decision loss to Elias Theodoro. He lost a decision to Khalil Roundtree and then most recently lost a decision to Christoph Jotko. Darren Stewart, 12 wins, 6 losses, 1 no contest, 7 KO TKOs, 1 submission. He's 5-6 with 1 no contest in the UFC. He's got 5 first round finishes. Notable win, Eric Spicely via TKO, a split decision over Darren Wynn and, got, or, and submitted Maki Patolo. Noah? Coconut bombs. Coconut bombs, yes. I like this fight. This is, there's a lot of little interesting factors yeah, here. Yeah, you know, um, both these guys, I feel like their records are a little hit or miss, especially in the UFC. They're very much 500 fighters at this point. But both, I feel like, still have more potential. Both of these guys, I think, can be top 15 in this division. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Right now, I feel like Darren Stewart is coming more into his own. Yeah. He's making bigger strides in doing that, while Eric Anders feels like he's stagnating quite a bit. And not even stagnating, it feels like he's kind of went backwards in some aspects. You know, his cardio has really slowed down. Mm-hmm. That fight with Jocko was a snore, first off. And a lot of that was because he got so tired pretty early on in the fight. Both these guys are looking to finish the fight on the feet. Yeah. Which could lead to a very exciting brawl here. But I really think Darren Stewart's the more technical guy, and I think he's the better fighter on this night. However, I'm going to throw a little fun one in here. Mm. I'm going to go Darren Stewart, second-round submission. Yeah, I think Darren Stewart is going to look to grapple here. By the way, I just noticed I totally forgot to write down notable losses for Darren Stewart. <laughs> I uh, We can talk you, about it. Yeah, I know can, there's a couple if you want he to. He actually them. does have some very... Okay, so he lost via submission to Carl Roberson, via submission to Julian Marquez, Yeah, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the... lost via split decision to Edmund Shabazian, 
and then lost via split decision to Kevin Holland. Those are those are you know what do I, what do I try to say a lot at least early on in the podcast? I always said there's no such thing as a good loss. Yeah, I mean split decisions to Shabazian and Holland, especially Holland right now. Look at what that guy's doing. He arguably won that fight too. Yeah, he came on very strong at the end when Kevin started to fail. Yeah, and you know that's that's the biggest reason. Even though it's a loss, that yeah. more than any of his wins is the reason I'm picking him here. Yeah, and I know that's weird. But I really think that if Stewart can survive kind of the onslaught, because Eric Anders can, he can bring the pressure early. If he can just kind of withstand that, then I really think it's his fight after the first round. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm going second round submission. Yeah. um, Like you just said, I think what we've seen more recently from Stewart, even though there are still losses sprinkled in, he. Honestly, just comes off to me as the better, well-rounded fighter as well. Mm-hmm. And I think he will have a significant advantage if he can get this to the ground. I'm going a submission as well, mm. but I'm going round three. Again, we see a guy that doesn't seem to fade, stays strong throughout 15 minutes. Eric Anders, we've seen the opposite. I think he gets it done in round three. They might be a little slick down <laughs> I there. Thought, I would thought for sure I was going to be like the only person who got it, picked him to be a submission. Oh, no, so. I, I, I like Darren Stewart. I like what we've seen of him recently. Like I said, win or loses, he's always in the fight. He's a yeah. tough guy, man. Yeah. His record is really only as mixed as it is because of his early part. He's yeah. really been coming on strong yeah. as of late. Moving on to flyweight. Another really interesting one here. Matthias. I think that's how you pronounce it's a it. Nicolau. And Manel Cape. Yes, sir. So Manel Cape back in action, what, a month ago? Yeah, it was that it was that uh Volkov uh Volkov and uh Overing. Overing card. <clears throat> yeah, and now he's fifteen and five, nine KO TKOs, five submissions, oh and one in the UFC following that debut. But we are talking about the former <laughs> Ryzen Bantamweight champion. Um he's won three of his last four fights, all via KO TKO. Obviously he just lost his most recent one. He's got seven first round finishes. Notable wins over Ian McCall and Takashi Sato, both via KO TKO. So, or Takeya Mizugaki. Sato's coming up later in the <laughs> yeah. evening. Sorry, he's a little bit bigger. But uh, he's fought guys that have been in the UFC and uh, been a champion in another big organization. Don't sleep on Manel Cape just because of the lackluster debut. Mm-hmm. On the other end, Matthias, 15 and 2 with a draw, four KO TKOs, five submissions. He's 3 and 1 in the UFC and is making his reintroduction into the company. He had a little stint, did well, but got KO'd, went to another organization. Now he's back. He's got four first-round finishes, notable wins against Luis Smolka and John Moraga, both via decision. The lone loss in the UFC was a KO against Dustin Ortiz. I think we're in for a little bit of a barn burner here at Flyweight. Um, And that's because I think Cape's going to come out more aggressive, obviously. Well, I, we I I can respect that that kind of confidence. Um, I was very confident in Cape in his debut, yeah. and it didn't quite live up. He was very just hesitant, and you know a lot of that Dar- might could be his debut. Pant- you know? And Pantoja looks so Pantoja good. did look really good. I want to talk about Matthias for a second. Yeah, interesting career. Um, so I know he's re-debuting for the company here, yep. right? You know, he had a stand, got cut, and finished on a KO loss to Dustin Ortiz. But before that, I mean, he was 3-1 and one in the promotion, that loss being his last fight. And you have to understand, for context, this was during that time that the UFC was kind of cutting a lot yep. of their flyweights because it looked like they might have been planning to cut the division. That didn't happen. He goes on and wins two fights at 
future FC and then Brave at CF. Yeah. That was a tongue, that was a tongue twister there. <laughs> you did well. Um, and now he's back. So I think he's definitely, like, worthy to come back. Like, I don't think that um, he should be treated like a guy making a debut here. Yeah. I mean, he's very well-rounded, as you can see by his finish rate. I mean, 9 out of 15, not bad. 4 via knockout, 5 via submission. All good stuff there. He even finished his debut in the UFC with a Japanese necktie. A Japanese what a what a Japanese necktie submission. That sounds dangerous. Yep, and actually, the first fight he had with future after being cut from UFC, he also finished with a Japanese necktie. So you're telling me we're going to see a Japanese necktie? <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it wouldn't be the worst bet in the world. I don't even know what the hell that looks like. <laughs> now for Manel Cape, a guy who's much better on the feet. Yeah, but he is still well rounded. I would say he's. You know, that debut does have to kind of stick with you a little bit just because he did show a lot of promise considering what he did for Ryzen. And then to come in there and he just looked really flat, this looked very hesitant. Right. And I get it. It's Pantoja who's a top five flyweight. And he really looked like it then. And now you're going down to Matthias Nicolau who's making his re-debut here, but... I don't think this is as much of a step down in competition as maybe other people might no, perceive no. it as. I'm still going to go Manel Cape. I think Manel Cape is going to be the better fighter here. I think he's going <clears> to. <throat> I think Nicolau's going to have a hard time getting this fight to the ground. Yeah. And I think Cape is really going to kind of manage the distance and maybe even hurt him a couple times on the feet. I'm still going to go decision win for Manel Cape. I don't think it's going to be the most exciting bout, even though it could be flyweights, fast guys. Mm-hmm. Still going decision, though. I'm going the exact same way. I'm going Cape. I think he's going to bounce back strong. I think he's going to look significantly better. I think he's going to let the the weapons fly a little bit more in this fight. He's going to learn from those mistakes against Pantoja. Again, like you said, not necessarily a step down because this, this guy that he's fighting is a stud, you know, in a Matthias, but... When you got a former champion from a prominent organization, you got to figure something's going to click eventually, and I think it's going to happen. You would hope so. I mean, nothing from his debut told me that he's a worse fighter. It just showed it. What it told me was that he was mentally not yeah. as ready as he was physically, and that's why I believe he can turn that around here. My only worry is that this this fight might be a bit lackluster, and then again, it's not going to do a ton for him moving mm-hmm. forward in order to incite some interest in him as he continues to try to move up. To Both the by, uh, by fans and the organization. Yeah, that's what I worry about, is that he's going to kind of come again with that hesitant approach, a little bit gun-shy, but just do enough to kind of get by Nicolau. Yeah. Moving on. Jonathan Martinez versus Davy Grant. Two unknowns here, so yeah. it'd be interesting to break this one down. This is one of those fights where we always say, they put it on the main card for a reason, didn't <laughs> they? They do. That's what we're thinking, anyway. Yeah, unless it's Carlos Felipe and Jorgen DeCastro. That's true. You love going to that. <laughs> that's the only well, fight. That's the fight that always sticks out. Jonathan Martinez, 13 wins, 3 losses. He's got 7 KOTKOs, 2 submissions, 4-2 and two in the UFC, 3 first-round finishes. He's got a notable win over Thomas Almeida via decision. He's lost to Matt Schnell at LFC 49 back <clears> in 2015 <throat> via disqualification. Illegal knee. It's in the air right now. <laughs> Sukum, Su, uh, Andre Sukumthoth. Andre Sukumthoth, I believe. Sukumthoth. That's your guy. 
No, that's your guy. He one time he followed yeah, you. you, you oh, he followed yeah, you on Instagram yeah, for like a day. Then he unfollowed me. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> lost to him via decision, and then lost to Andre Yule via split decision. Uh, other end, Davey, twelve and four, two KO TKOs, eight submissions. So polar opposites here in terms of KOs and submissions. He's three and three in the UFC. He's got seven first round finishes. Notable win against Marlon Chito Vera. Some notable losses to Chris Holdsworth via submission and also got submitted by Manny Bermudez. You know, what is it with these guys that are so good with submissions, but they always be getting submitted when they lose? I don't get it. Yeah, isn't that kind of funny how that works? This Um, might be a fun little fight here. Can we talk about Davey Grant's, like, gaps in activity here is wild. This man made his debut at the Ultimate Fighter finale November 2013. Did not fight again, and I'm not just saying in UFC, but professionally. At all. Until 2016. Whoa. That's a three-year layoff. Well, two and a half because it was November 2013 to February 2016. But two and a half years. He fought twice in 2016. Then we don't see him again until July 2018. Damn. And then November 2019. And then July 2020. So this guy's activity is very spotty. Hate to see it. Um, And I I don't know what his injury history is or what other factors could be at play. So I'm not not saying anything about it. Yeah, you're just pointing it out. I'm just pointing out how... When I saw the Marlon Vera win, I was like, I wonder how old this was. I was like, oh shit, 2016. Yeah. Um, I think that makes him harder to judge. I mean... He is on a bit of a roll. That Martin Day win was very impressive. That knockout performance of the night bonus yeah. he got there. 50 G's, baby. Thanks, um, Davey. <laughs> that came in the third round at UFC 251. That was Fight Island. Yeah. While for Jonathan Martinez, man. I mean, that Thomas Almeida win is very impressive. And, you know, he has fought tougher competition as yeah. a whole. yeah. The Marlon Vera one's impressive, but Marlon Vera is a completely different fighter now than oh, he yeah. was then. <sighs> Stylistically, you got the submission guy and Davey Grant, and you got a guy that's going to look to knock you out in Jonathan Martinez. In this one, I'm going to side with Martinez. Mm-hmm. I think it does go to a decision. I think this could be very similar to his fight with Almeida, put it that way. Yeah. I'm going the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going Martinez via decision. This is one of those fights where you're really intrigued to see how is it going to play out. Is Martinez mm-hmm. going to keep the fight standing? Is Davey going to be able to get him down? Can Martinez fend off? Yada, yada, yada. Right. The list goes on and on. Bantamweights are always exciting, especially the division right now. And you just you need big wins or else you're just going to get lost in the, in the pile of huge yeah. names in that division. So these guys are going to come out and hopefully look to prove a point. Again, they put it on the main card for a reason over fights such as Angela Hill, Ashley Oder. We'll see what happens here, but I'm going Martinez via decision. Cool, cool. So far, we're agreeing a lot. I'm curious think, to see what we got here. I think it's going to change here soon. This, this is uh, fight of the night. Ring the bells. <laughs> Sound the alarm. Uh, fight of the night. This is fight of the night. Dan Ige, Gavin Tucker. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Well, Dan Ige, 50K. Dan Ige, 14 <laughs> wins, 3 losses. That's He's a got, badass. That is man. badass. <laughs> 3 KO TKOs, 5 submissions. He's 6-2 and two in the UFC and also came into the UFC on the Contender Series 1-0 mm-hmm. there. He's got 5 first-round finishes, notable wins against Kevin Aguilar via decision, Mashard Bektik via split decision, and also Edson Barboza via split decision. His Contender Series win was against Luis Gomez 
and that was a submission. <coughs> His notable loss in the UFC, well, a main event on Fight Island against none other than the Boston finisher, Calvin <coughs> Cater, in an absolute war. He never gave up, never quit. We're going to see much of that here in this fight as well. But <coughs> Gavin Tucker, an absolute stud. 13 wins, 1 loss. 4 KO, TKO, 6 submissions. He's 4-1 and one in the UFC. 4 first-round finishes. Notable wins. Song Wu Choi, submission. Submitted Justin Janes. And then that great fight he had with Billy Q. Billy mm-hmm. Quarantillo beat him in a decision there. Lone loss on his record and in the UFC. Rick Glenn via decision. Gavin's coming into this fight on a 3-fight win streak. Looking to make it 4, Noah. Does he get it done? You're I think picking he does. Gavin. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. Gavin Tucker gets it done. And that loss to Rick Glenn, you could tell that really stuck with him because he took two years off after that. Yeah. And since then, he's looked like a completely retold. This guy's an animal. He he looks great. He's 34, kind of hitting that that end of his prime right now. But he looks fantastic. That fight with Billy Q. Billy Q being a guy that's really on the rise, sure. and we really are big fans yeah. of him. And Gavin Tucker completely controlled him. And hurt him and gassed that fight. him out. Yeah, I mean it was a very impressive performance. You know, being able to use Billy's strengths kind of against him. Yeah. To where it was almost hurting him to even, like, because he was gassing. So it was like Billy Q's like things he's good at. Gavin Tucker was like using it against him to yep. like let himself tire himself out. It was really impressive the way he did that. Dan Ige, however, a, not a very impressive fighter in his own yeah. right. He's really came on very quickly. You know, that win over Barboza really catapulted him. And, t- mm-hmm. and then he was, I believe, I, I don't know this for sure, I've said this twice now, a late replacement for that main event with Calvin yeah, Cater. Yeah, to go five rounds with Cater, man. Yeah, and I mean, that's no easy task. And, one got some rounds. Oh, I thought it was 4-1, but it's still. One I thought, scorecard 3-2, I think, or something um, like that. Maybe, I'm not sure. Regardless, I think that that fight showed a lot. Because I really wasn't sold on Dan Ige for a while, you yeah. know. Back-to-back split decisions with Mursad Bekdik and Edson Barboza. Not that, again, he won the fight, technically. I thought the Barboza Yeah, fight the Barboza one, we both agree. The Bekdik fight, I think he won. But the Barboza one, I'm like, I'm not too sure about that. However, the fact that he hung in there with those guys even shows that he is a top 15 level talent. I'm just not completely sold on him being necessarily higher than that right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that main event with Cater might have done just as much harm as it did good for him for his future prospects because he's going to be kind of forced into some of these matchups that oh, he might yeah. not be really ready for. However, Gavin Tucker is a great fight for him because it's a guy who's outside the top 15, yeah. who's still sort of unproven. You know, Billy Q, good win, but still looking to make that big, shiny win this to is, really yeah, catapult but I think that it's Tucker, I think, is ready for this challenge. And I think it's going to be a war. I think both guys are going to go back and forth here. But I'm going Gavin Tucker via decision. Yeah, this is, like we said, the fight of the night here. Ige, a guy that the UFC seems to really <laughs> believe in. They they love building off of these contender series guys mm-hmm. and, and girls. And that's just how it is when you're on that show, when you prove it. And, uh, you know, already been in a main event five rounds with Cater. He's been in some wars. Gavin Tucker also been in some wars. This is going to be nothing short of a fantastic fight. I'm so happy this got booked. Uh, but I'm going Ige here. I think he's going to bounce back. 
and I think he's going to get it done via decision. Three rounds of just absolute beautiful chaos, and uh, maybe even could even be a split. You know, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, he's had his fair share of split decision wins already. Yeah, he really is. And I think Gavin's going to bring everything he can to Ige and then some, but he's going to weather the storm. Worth noting um, for both sides that. Tucker is a late replacement for Ryan Hall here. Yeah, right, right. So you got Tucker coming in potentially with less of a camp than he would normally like, but then Ige's been preparing for a complete a wizard, on com- the ground. A wizard on the ground, yeah. and now you're going up against Gavin Tucker. Yeah. So should be interesting to see how that factors in to how both these guys look. But I think either way, regardless of how long their camps are, I think it's going to be We're in for a great. treat, aren't right. we? Yeah. I think so. Coming event time. Big fight. Important this, hey, there's a lot on you here because you've you've you did your homework more so on this fight than any other. Yeah, Misha Serkinov, Ryan Span, tell the people why this is the co-main event. Hey, top ten implications for the winner in this fight. <clears throat> so Misha, a perennial top fifteen guy ever since he's come into the UFC, he's got fifteen wins, five losses, four KOTKOs, nine submissions. That's thirteen out of fifteen via finish. Six and three in the UFC. He's got eleven first round finishes. Notable wins against Kudalaba via submission. Submitted Nikita Krylov. Submitted Patrick Cummins. And, well, Jimmy Crute, Noah. And mm-hmm. guess what he did? Submitted him. With a Peruvian necktie. Peruvian necktie. Another necktie. Yes, what's with the neckties? <laughs> what about a bow tie? Anyway, notable losses. Vulcan Uzdemir in, like, 28 seconds. He got KO'd. That was when Vulcan was just taking people's heads off. Yep. Glover Teixeira via TKO and then got his face just clobbered in by a flying knee by Johnny Walker. He really did, man. When Misha loses, he likes to lose quickly. I'll just put it that way. And when he wins, it's pretty crazy. For Ryan Spann, he's 18-6. and six, Four KOTKOs, 11 submissions. Two guys that love getting it done on the ground. He's 4-1 in the UFC. Also 1-1 one one on the Contender Series. He's got 13 first-round finishes. Notable wins against the legend Antonio Rogerio Noguera via KO, brutal one-punch KO, may I add. Submitted Devin Clark, and then got a split decision over the always smiling Sam Alvey. Mm-hmm. On the Contender Series, he beat Emiliano Sordi via submission. He lost to the very well-known Carl Roberson. That was via KO. Along with that loss, he's also lost to Trevin Giles back at LFA3 in 2017 via split decision. And what do you know? They both share a similar loss. He also has been KO'd by Mr. Johnny Walker. Mm-hmm. This fight's going to be fantastic while it lasts, but no, it's not going to last very long. Tell him why. Because Misha Serkinov is going to get this fight done in the first round via submission. Ooh. These guys are going to go to battle. Let me tell you, folks. They're going to come out guns a-blazing. It's going to be very fun. But Misha's going to be able to overwhelm Span. Now, it's crazy because Span is such a good grappler himself. But... He doesn't want to grapple with Serkinov. He's going to want to keep this fight on the feet. He's the more dangerous fighter on the feet when it comes to one-punch power, the speed, the quickness. Serkinov, aggressiveness. He's going to want to push this fight to the fence, get the takedown early, look for this mission, bada-bing, bada-boom, get out. That's what it's going to come down to. Mm-hmm. Noah, where are you sitting on this one? So I agree with you on the grappling aspect. I do think Serkinov is just, there's levels, right? Yeah, okay. You know, Ryan Spann, really good grappler. But if you're going by technique... Misha Serkinov is one of the best in the whole light heavyweight division. Oh, he's dangerous. And he's proven it in the UFC. You know, he's not getting these submission wins just to get on the regionals. You know, he's doing this against guys like Jimmy Crew, 
Nikita Krylov, Jan Kudaleva, Patrick Cummins, you know, good names. Yeah, and that Crute win, I mean, it's aging like a fine wine. Yeah, and honest. that was his last fight. Yeah. We have not seen him fight since September 2019. And that fight was wild. When, yep. For as long as it lasted, absolutely insane. Yeah, if Jimmy Crute looked great early mm-hmm. and then he got caught in a submission. Yeah. Here's my thing with this fight is that Ryan Spann, if, he, if his plan here is to kind of go for some grappling or something. I, I don't I don't see it happening, but if that's what he does, I think he's in for a long night. Yeah, he's going to short keep night, this standing. Depending. Yeah. But I I really question Serkinov's chin here. And against the, the younger, more powerful, the faster Sp- Ryan Spann. Dude, Spann is huge, by the way. 6'5", massive guy. I think Ryan Spann's going to be able to finish this fight early. Ooh, so wow. I'm going Ryan Spann via first-round KOTKO. I mean, the guy nearly Ooh. knocked out Johnny Walker. He does have some very nice wins in the UFC. He's dangerous, man. He's kind of dangerous wherever the fight goes. I just think in this situation, better utilized on the feet. This is a huge fight, man, for both guys. Like I said, top ten implications on the line. By the way, as Noah just mentioned, the fight was Spann and Walker. It's one of the craziest one-round <laughs> fights you'll ever see in your life. I'm pretty sure they both got knocked out at the same time at one point <laughs> yeah. in the fight. But uh, this is a great co-main event. Good for them getting the spotlight on them. But it's time to uh, move on in, isn't it? Yeah, the main event. Leon Edwards and Bilal Muhammad. You got your work cut out here. Leon's back. Mm-hmm. First time since July 2019 that we have seen Rocky enter the octagon. He's 18-3, and three, six KOTKOs. Three submissions. He's ten and two in the UFC. He's got five first round finishes. Notable wins: Vicente Luque via decision, Cowboy Cerrone via decision, Gunnar Nelson and RDA both also being decision wins. The lone two losses in the UFC: Claudio Silva way back win via split, and then also lost to Kamaru Usman, the current welterweight king, via decision. Since then, Leon has not lost a fight. He's probably not even lost a damn round. This dude is just such a beast. Yeah. He's on an eight-fight win streak. Came into the UFC, started 2-2, two and two, now he's 10-2. and two. But remember the name, Noah. Bilal Muhammad coming in on, a, what, three, four weeks notice. Also, 18 wins, three losses. Love that. Four KOTKs, one submission. Both guys are the fans of just taking it all the way to the distance. Nine and three in the UFC with wins against Randy Brown, Tim Means, Takashi Sato, that's where he came in. That was via submission. And then his most recent bout with Diego Lima. Damn, one of his best performances that he has had. Looked so good in that fight. Losses, your guy, Alan Joban, <laughs> via decision. Got KO'd by Vicente Luque, as many others do. And also lost the decision to Mr. Jeff Neal. Bilal coming in this on his own little win streak here, four in a row. Mm-hmm. Noah, which win streak is going to be extended? It's going to be Leon's. Um, <clears throat> we haven't seen Leon in a while. Obviously, July 2019. That could play a factor here. The guy's kind of had a rough go of getting a fight booked, so you, you just never know what that's going to do to someone's kind of mental preparation. Yeah. Um, Bilal, being that he's been pretty active, you know, he just fought mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and then before that he was on the Blades-Volkov card over the summer. So yep. very active guy over the past year you got to think that he's going to have some sort of edge there. But outside of that, man. I don't see where Bilal really wins this fight. I really don't. Leon's good, man. You know, Bilal, he's kind of good. 
he's he's sort of one of those guys that's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. Mm-hmm. Where he's kind of good enough at everything to get by. Yeah. But I don't think he really excels at a whole lot. And especially, man, this and then, is a and big I, step and I feel up. and I hate to say that because I, I like the guy and I like that he's kind of getting this moment to shine. I'm just not sure how warranted it is. I'm not even sure if I'm going to go out on a limb here, especially if he wins this fight. I'll have to eat my words. I'm not really sure. If, I think he might even be a little overrated in his ranking oh, right now. Wowzers! Wowzers! Now, I, and you know, he does have good wins. Randy Brown's a good win. Curtis Melinder, Lyman Good, Diego Lima, Takashi Sato. That's a great win. I just think when you're going up against Leon Edwards, who, in his own right, I'm also not completely sold on either. And when I say that, I just mean I'm not sold on him actually being like a champion. champion. Um, that's there's the difference right there. It I'm doesn't not, help I'm, when the guy in your weight class is an absolute stud with the belt. If I think Mara. what's uh, Bilal eleven, I, I think he's thirteenth actually. Thirteenth, yeah. Well, taking okay. on maybe he's not three. overrated. I'm just saying. That I don't really see where Bilal wins this fight. Obviously, puncher's chance. And maybe, you know, he does have some good fight IQ. He has been able to kind of... He's got a lot of decision wins, so cardio's yeah. not going to be a problem. But Neither Leon, one of these guys are getting tired. That's the thing. You're going to Leon. Yeah. Um, Leon's boxing's going to be crisp here. I think uh, Bilal's kind of... He's one of those guys that really allows himself to kind of get hit a lot. And I think... When you're going up against such a good boxer like Leon Edwards, it's just not a good recipe. But I'm going to go Leon Edwards via decision. I don't see Bilal getting finished here. Um, and if I'm going to even be a little more pessimistic <laughs> than I already am being, um, truthfully, I don't think this fight, the way I see it going, I don't know if it really does much for Leon. You know, it's it's tough because I think it's a good move to just take a fight. Take a fight. You know, you lost Hamzat again. Fuck it, you know, just, just take a fight. Yeah. But if he if he doesn't really show me something here, like if he if he doesn't finish this fight, if he doesn't dominate this fight, I I really don't know if it moves his standing. No, I mean really for Leon here. Well, I'm just gonna go for both. Leon, he's got everything to lose, really not much to gain. For Bilal, yeah, he has nothing to lose and everything to gain out of this oh, fight. Oh yeah. So two guys coming in with completely different mindsets here potentially. Two very similar styles. I do seeing it just being it. I do see it being a bit of a technical battle on the feet with Leon just going to be able to get the upper hand. If I'm Muhammad here, I'm trying to really make Leon uncomfortable if I can. That's that's way easier said than yeah. done, obviously, because we've seen Leon time and time again weather every storm. But we know Leon's going to pick his shots, be the very crisp, technical boxer, and it's beautiful to watch him go to work. But Lau, especially that fight against Lima, man, if he can bring that sort of pressure where he's forcing Leon's back against the cage, his landing kicks, landing the straight jabs to the body, to the face, inside leg kicks, he's got to mix it up and make Leon uncomfortable. Will he have his moments? Yeah, I think he'll have a few. But overall, I think Leon is just... It's such a big test. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot to ask out of him. It's such a big test. And, and I, I'm glad you actually... Sorry, I, I, no. I didn't want to cut off your prediction, but I'm glad you brought that up about... I really think that if Bilal's going to do anything here, I think it's got to be early. It's I think he's got to go. really go after him. Yeah. Because this is a guy who hasn't fought in a year and a half 
a guy who has had so many fights fall out. Yeah, you, COVID took a big effect on his training and everything. You gotta believe that that's gonna something mentally is gonna be off at least yeah. in the beginning. Like you, there might be just a slight hesitation. You can train and spar all you want, but that in ring feel the fight. It's just and let's different. be honest. I mean, Leon over the last really for since he's been on this winning streak, he does tend to play it kind of safe. Yeah. You know, that's why a lot of these fights go to decision. He's a great fighter, but it, he does play it safe. He does kind of just do what he needs to do to win, and I'm not saying he should do more than that, but right now, this is a fight to make a statement. Yeah. And I just don't think he's going to do it. That I think he's going to do enough. I think he's going to win the fight clearly. I could even see it being 50-45. Yeah. But I, to me, that's not enough. You know, look at what happened with Gon against Rosenstruck. Mm-hmm. You know, he fifty forty five the Rosenstruck across the board, and but not too much came out of it. Yeah, I'm going Edwards, and I'm going decision, <laughs> just like you. I just think it's too big of a step right now. And uh, like I said, Muhammad, he has. I just think there's more pathways to victory in the ways that the fight can play out. There's just more of those for Leon. That's just what it's coming down to for me. He's been in there with so many incredible fighters, including the current champion. And it's just a big step, man. Can Bilal get it done? Yeah, he can shock the world. And it's a again, as Noah said, it's great that he's getting this spotlight, a guy that's very popular within the MMA community. The community as a whole is going to be rooting for him here, I'd have to imagine. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't know. I, I think we're in for a good fight, but more so technical than anything. And I think Leon gets it done and extends that win streak to nine in a row, man. Nice. We we had very similar uh, predictions. We did. I think Outside four of, out of six. Yeah. Um, but that is our preview for hashtag UFC Vegas 21. Dominic, do you have the times? Prelims at five. <laughs> Actually, it might even be... There's a lot of prelims. I think it's a five, though. Mm-hmm. All ESPN Plus. Main card, 8 p.m. We love when they're Eastern a little bit... Eastern Standard early. Time. Yeah, Eastern Standard Time, yes. I'm glad that you had that in your back pocket. I, I try I, to pull I, it out. I never know. I love how you just throw me on the spot. <laughs> I just... Sink or swim, kid. But that is our preview for Hashtag UFC Vegas 21. Check out these fights on ESPN Plus. It's going to be a good night of fights, I believe. Yeah, good prelims, too. Mm-hmm. As for next week... Mm-hmm. Monday, we'll be recapping hashtag UFC Vegas 21. We'll mm-hmm. talk about all the fights that happen here, along with some prelim notables, of per course. usual, and the news. Yes. And then Wednesday, once again, time for another. <laughs> <laughs> I just got so confused. I was like, yeah, yeah, whoop. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and plug it, though. Yeah, do it. Yeah, I just kind of got t- carried away. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, so not, this, not next <laughs> Wednesday, but uh, the Wednesday after. Yeah. Uh, our our um, special, special episode, episode. <laughs> will be another classic pay-per-view review. Yeah. And this time it's going to be for UFC 220. Now, There's you a might reason. ask yourself, yeah. hmm, I wonder what what happened on this card. I wonder why it's a classic or why it's relevant. Like, That's not even that long ago. That's because a week later, that we're same seeing... Week. That same week. Yeah, it'll be yeah. the same week. We're seeing the rematch... Of these two guys. Correct. And this is their first encounter. Yes, sir. UFC 220 headlined by Stipe Miocic. Miocic? Miocic. I, I struggle, struggle sometimes with his last name. <laughs> Going up against Francis Ngannou. Also, Daniel Cormier defending against his light heavyweight belt. Against yeah. Volkan Uzdemir. His last light heavyweight fight. Mm-hmm. 
Little did we know at that time. Yeah, so we will be uh, giving a review of that card in anticipation for UFC 260. Yes. That is Wednesday, yeah. March twenty fourth. Yeah, I kind of had I kind of had to spill the beans because I got carried away of there. Of course, I'm just too excited to talk about of it. Of course, but obviously this next week we will not have a Wednesday episode. Right, right. Um, but Monday recap, Dominic. Until then, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Twitter, Instagram at Deesley14. Gotta plug the article again. Go check it out if you haven't already. Misha Serkinov, Ryan Span. I hyped it up as much as I could for you here. Go read my words now in writing. <laughs> Find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast, and Noah's going to take us out. Wow. <laughs> As for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at NTBaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with the social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the Anchor page. First, do it. leaving a voice message. If you have a thought, a feeling about an upcoming fight, a fight that's already taken place, a news story, if you want to say hi or tell us we're a piece of shit, do it there. you got 60 seconds to do it. Also, there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month, and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast. Whether it be improving the audio equipment, or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. But with that, we're out, and we'll see y'all on Monday. Have a great freaking weekend.